Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 109 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The whole family is here for episode 109. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at GDGCustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. I will talk to Dwight tomorrow about our shoe raffle winner. Thank you to the folks who donated to the shoe raffle. I do appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to Dwight for doing those. And congratulations to Tina, the winner of our 2022-23 shoe raffle. I did message her. She's very excited. <laughs> and they will be well, Packer shoes. How does it work? Shoes. Does she... Does she get to design it herself? Or? No, she doesn't design it. So I reached out right. to her and got her shoe size. And then I oh, will right, order right. those shoes tonight. Dwight has been talking about it, you know, like, oh, I already got some plans. I already got some ideas oh, wow. for the Packers shoes. So nice. Yeah. So that's going to be super exciting. If you didn't win and you'd like a pair of custom Packer shoes, you could always reach out to Dwight. Right. <laughs> right. And he would definitely make you some. Do it. Yeah. Anyway, it's nice to see you. Peter, I'm glad you're feeling better. We can hear your voice. It's good to jump back on as the Packers are winning. It's good to have you on so you can start to spit, you know, spit facts and stuff. I don't know if you listen, but Eric from Greendale fact checked this one day. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. (laughs) (laughs) And that's never a good thing, especially when Dale and I are alone. Yes. We just make up shit. Todd, I'm also happy to see you. How was your Christmas? Is it good? It's good. Kids are happy? Uh, As always. Yes, I'm sure they are. My grown ass kids are home. They don't. I think, you know, when they're babies and they have their nights and days messed up, like and they're up all night and they sleep during the day. That's also grown kids. Yeah. Yeah. Last night, at like two thirty. I'm like, what in the fuck? What are you watching TV at two thirty four? Turn that down. I had to go <laughs> full old man on them because I had just had my old man pills. So. Yeah. Like, I got to get up in the morning, damn it. Well, get your prescription. Yeah. <laughs> Big news today, or yesterday, I guess it would be now. J.J. Watt has announced. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what did I miss? Number nine. Oh, damn. Peter, episode nine. <laughs> I got to keep things on track once in a yes, while. Yes, you do. Look at you keeping things. Episode number nine. But nine. So we're smack bang in the middle of those numbers, one to 19, aren't we? Where unless there's a quarterback. We're in kicker and punter land. In 30 years' time, when we're in season 33 of the average cruise, we'll be talking about this Christian Watson. Absolutely. As the, as the number nine. <laughs> but, uh, but right now, it's a, it's a bit of a struggle. And then I, I suddenly had this thought, well, what about number six upside down? And like you I, wanted to do for nine, for six. Right, right, right. So then I thought back to the number six episode, and that was J.K. Scott. So that's not really, really helpful. So no. Yeah, there's nothing helpful um, about that. So number nine, 
So there's only one player in Packers history that's worn the number nine for more than two seasons. So it's a had, punter, isn't it? It is a punter. Josh Bidwell. Uh, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> so, so some of the other guys that have worn number nine are the likes of Deshaun Kaiser and Blake Bortles. Oh, my gosh. And, and that quarterback from Illinois that played for the Packers on the Super Bowl team in 96. Oh, McMahon. Yeah. He wore nine with the Packers, too. He did. He, he did. Yeah, let's he just did. call him that guy. It would have made our friends at Zero Doinks very proud if we'd have made this the Jim McMahon episode, but it isn't. This is the Josh Bidwell episode. And like I say, it's the only number nine that's played for the Packers for more than two years was the was the punter from 2000 to 2003. It was a fourth-round pick in 1999, missed the 99 season with cancer. Oh, shit. Ooh. Had testicular cancer. Um, came back and played four seasons for the Packers. Was a solid punter, averaged 41 and a bit yards per punt. A typical Packers punter career almost that seems to be that kind of two, three, four-year type career that they have with Green Bay. Went on to Tampa Bay as a free agent from the Packers and actually had a Pro Bowl year, kicking in the nice atmosphere, I guess, down in right. down in Tampa Bay. and Kicking some warm balls. Absolutely. You had a 10-year NFL career. Like I say, it's just one of those numbers where there, there aren't that many guys that have contributed over a period of time for the Packers. So right now it's Josh Bidwell, and in 30 years' time, it will be the Christian Watson episode. Shit, next year it might have to be Christian Watson if we keep <laughs> doing this. I'm sorry we keep making you do this through all these shit numbers. My gosh, Josh Bidwell, Jake. It makes you wonder, though, too, is like when somebody like Christian Watson uh, as a number one pick comes into an organization, and they ask him what number he wants, and the NFL has opened up sort of across the board, like you can wear whatever number at any position for him to come in and say, well, where can I make my mark? Yeah, that says something about, about the individual. Yeah, and maybe I, saying, get a, I, I want nine cheese. because nine is going to be mine. Maybe. Maybe I'll get an average cheese episode named after me if I take nine. <laughs> there you <Wow>. go. <laughs> I am sorry that I just blew right past the nine. Although maybe not. Josh Bidwell. Ten. I start thinking now, oh man, it's gotta be somebody. Didn't Lynn Dickey wear a ten for a minute? Ten before he wore twelve, yeah. Man, look at my big boy memory. Except I thought it was what was the punter that played for Seattle? Played for Green Bay, and then he went to Seattle. Red hair, like I can picture his face. I can't think of his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I thought it was him. Episode number nine. Let's move on before I drag this shit right into the gutter. So J.J. Watt did retire. That did happen. He will retire after the season. Right. Either of you watched that game? Peter, did you watch Arizona-Tampa Bay um, at all? It was, I it think was a I, night game. Uh, the Monday night, uh, uh, yeah. the Sunday night game. Uh, yeah, I, I DVR'd it and then forwarded all the way through it. So I, I didn't really, I didn't really watch it. JJ Watt was just blowing guys up in that yeah. game, and I wonder if it was. I know this is going to be my last home game. Like I feel like he gives constant effort, right? He's a guy that's going to give you everything he's got on every play. I wonder if there wasn't a little bit of extra in the tank. Because he was disruptive. Almost J.J. Watt in his early days re- disruptive. And who knows? Maybe they can lure him in for a last retirement hurrah for a one-year contract. I don't know. Just saying. Anything can happen, Todd. Yeah. Wasn't he like a three-time defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt? Just an amazing career. Local guy. Came from Pewaukee. That's why he should have been a Packer to end his career, right? Could have ended it here. 
Peter, will he be first ballot? I think like... I think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay. okay. A guy like that isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. Who is? Right. 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 I think there are only what three guys that have won Defensive Player of the Year three times: Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, and I can't remember. But there's it's a small group. And right, if you don't make it in your first ballot, then something's wrong. Yeah, the only reason why I asked that question is because like he, he just never he never won a championship with anybody, right? Yeah, he was so. with the Texans and they blew ass. Jeez, yeah, and then he went to the Cardinals. And- should have yeah. come to Green Bay. Yes, you should have. Wonder what that yep. would have been like. Well, we'll miss you, JJ. And he's a super dude. On top of that, did a lot for Houston when he was in Houston. And they had the floods down there, and um, yeah, I mean he's just. Just lo- just loved in the city of Houston. And we love him here, too. Peter, I always do this to you. <laughs> Sorry. Is he the best player from Wisconsin? Not played at Wisconsin, but best player. So there's guys like Joe Thomas, TJ Watt, Tony Romo. Well, Romo didn't play at Wisconsin. But no, from- but he's from Burlington. I'm talking about people who are from the state of Wisconsin. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, is he, what a, big, what is he a, better than Joe Thomas? Well, he's that level, isn't he? Whether he's better, I guess it's difficult to compare completely different positions. I mean, that's a tough one. Johnny Blood, well, great packer right. from the 20s and 30s, was from New Richmond, Wisconsin. Yeah, he's in that conversation. Certainly, Johnny Blood would be the greatest character, I would I would imagine. What a great question. That might be something I'll look at this week. I know. I totally threw that at you. Is his younger brother better? TJ? Yeah. Is TJ better? He's on the trajectory to probably, I don't know, but he's kind of on the trajectory of... Trajectory that JJ was. Yeah, basically. But they're also on the same trajectory of injuries. We'll see. Peter, I defer to you on questions like this. Elton Jenkins signed a contract extension. I messaged you when I saw that the other day. Uh, I mean, it goes with what you've said a million times, Peter. The Packers really believe in their own. What are your thoughts on this Elton Jenkins four-year, $68 million contract extension? It doesn't surprise me at all for the very reasons you've just described. The numbers are about what I think you would expect when you're talking about a player that's guard with some tackle capability. I think it kind of fits in the parameters of what you what you would expect. The only concern, well, I guess there's two concerns. One is the injuries, but that can happen to anybody. I think the other concern is how do you fit all of these guys under the cap when you're already paying back Tiari what you're paying back Tiari, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, you have to have one of these top guys that you just can't afford to re-sign. Eventually, something has to give. Now, whether that will be Aaron Jones in the offseason, I, I don't know. It's a lot of money for a guard, but it's kind of within the parameters given where the cap's going to go over the next two or three years. So doesn't surprise me at all. But it will beg a lot of questions again for the offseason. The move makes me think, are they going to try to do something with Bakhtiari in the offseason? Like to trade him? I don't know. I don't know that he's... I think you have to sign what you have. And I think they step forward in, in doing that with Jenkins. But with Bakhtiari, maybe they're already planning something with Bakhtiari and signing Jenkins as, as a placeholder. Obviously, a, a huge contract to eat. So I don't know how they can actually try to deal Bakhtiari, but you've got to think with the injuries at this point, how much longer can you really... He is the catalyst because without him, everybody else has to move all over the place all the time. We don't know when he's coming back. We do. He's he's here. He's not here. Do we really want that anymore? And I love the dude, but... So Bakhtiari has two years left on his contract. His dead cap, I was just looking it up while you were talking, his dead cap, if they just dump him, 
is $23 million next year. That's a big number. Yeah, it is. They need him to play through next year at least. I don't think they've got a choice unless they can trade him. And I I doubt that, A, that they would want to trade him, and B, given the injury situation, how much is another team going to give up for that risk? What I suspect with Bakhtiari is that they're going to – he's due a roster bonus in March, I think it is, 10 million or whatever. I think that that will – be converted probably to a sign-in bonus, which means they can split it over a couple of years. And there's a bit they can do with his base salary. So, so I reckon they could probably... Ken Ingalls would obviously be the man, but, I, but I, I reckon they could knock eight or nine million probably off his cap number next year and move that into the following year in the hope that the cap rises significantly in 2024 and it doesn't matter so much. So it's definitely stuff that they can do there. I agree with Todd. I think the difficulty here is, is if you know the guy's going to come back and play start 16 17 games at a left tackle then absolutely you you're slotting him in there and forgetting about him the problem is he plays this week doesn't play next week zach tom comes in and plays left tackle or whoever and it, it just disturbs the line a bit kind of are where we are i think with with back to here. i think he definitely plays in 2023 and they go from there yeah i agree that he plays in 2023 but i mean as far as like the return of investment for for this year we're upside down already on him Right. How many games has he played? I mean, five? That's just off the top of my head. But he's hurt again. Well, so he's had, he like had an appendectomy. So it's not just that. It's also back to the knee. It's never going to be 100% right. So right? I, I mean, I feel like that's never, that's always going to be an issue. Peter, to go back to the Elton Jenkins contract, is this a guard contract or a tackle contract? I think it's a very highly paid guard contract. Okay. So we got to talk about this too. Nathaniel Hackett was fired in Denver. I have thoughts. Todd, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Nathaniel Hackett getting fired? That's a tough situation there where you've brought in, God, they've paid Russell Wilson, I don't know, a boatload of money. And I think it comes down to that, right? I mean, you you bring in a first-year coach, a guy who's never been a head coach before, the way the scales work. And Russell Wilson, I don't know what what has happened to that, that guy, but he... Ducks. Yeah. When it comes down to the bottom line between who's going to stay and who's going to go, you look at the money and that's it. And it sucks to be Nathaniel Hackett. But in my honest opinion, I don't think it's coaching. I honestly think that there's something going on with Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, it's going to go this way. I think we all would have expected Russell Wilson to to show more than he has. Yeah, we would have expected Russell Wilson to show more than he has. Now, how much of that is down to system or environment? The player's already there. I don't know. I mean, I think there's other questions on on that team. You know, they traded away Bradley Chubb, Von Miller. So there's all kinds of questions around the the moves that they've that they've made, as well as the Wilson move. And you kind of feel for any coach that whoever it is that doesn't get the opportunity to coach into their second season. You know, clearly the beating that they took this past weekend was the was the last straw coming anyway. But this this past weekend was they dropped like fifty on them, didn't they? Yeah. The Rams oh, did. Oh man, a depleted um, Rams. I don't. I don't think anybody, in all honesty, before the season, could have foreseen Russell Wilson struggling as much as he has. No way. You can't fire Russell Wilson. You just paid oh, him a no. shitload of money, and it, you gave up a it, bunch of picks to get him. It's stupid money, too. One hundred and sixty-five million. Oof, for, man. for Russell Wilson. But Oof. worse than that. You gave up picks to get Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. They, they have an older roster. Russell Wilson not only is bad, I think that the whole act 
I don't even know what to call that. The way he behaves as a human is fucking weird. Yeah. And maybe it's overplayed. And maybe those guys in the locker room do respect him. I don't know that because we're clearly not in the locker room. But there's something off about Russell Wilson. It just it all seems like an act, like everything he does. And when you're winning, nobody gives a fuck. You can do whatever you want and act weird as long as you're throwing touchdowns and winning games. But when you suck, it all comes back. And I think Nathaniel Hackett is just the fall guy. Someone had to go. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, was he a great coach? No. Well, we don't know. Well, we don't know, right? Because you usually get a year or two after your first year, but the expectations were high in Denver, right? They thought they were Mm going to win a bunch of games. They thought they were going to be a playoff team, and they are freaking abysmal. They gave up 50 points. Yeah. To the Rams, uh, who the Packers gave up 12 to or whatever. The the Rams only scored 12 against the Packers or something like that the week before, two weeks before. Is that Nathaniel Hackett's problem? I don't know. Did the guys give up? That would be his problem. Let's move on. So Dean Lowry, who even though we beat up on him almost weekly on the average cheese, has been a serviceable player for the Packers. Uh, No, no. not even that. No, I won't. I won't give him that either. No, you you can, but I'm not. Okay, he has been less than good this year. He was less than good many years as a Packer. I think the one thing that really sucks, like we we hated Tyler Lancaster, and he was a terrible player. I think the thing with Dean Lowry is Dean Lowry got a buttload of money, right. And so then you expect him to play like a starter, not like a rotational guy. Dean Lowry is a rotational guy. Like he's always been that guy. So yes, he's had some decent seasons. That's got to be his last game as a Packer, right? I would imagine. Yeah, I I think this is the scenario where they can kind of move on. You're on IR. It's going to be easier for us to move on. You hit the nail on the head. In the free agency era, if you pay somebody $20 over three years, they have to play like they're being paid $20 million over three years, right? So it's one thing if you have a guy that is the fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart and you're paying him a million a year, then you expect to get a million a year productivity out of it. But when you're paying a guy that's basically an average of $7 million a year over three years, you expect a huge amount of productivity out of that type of player. Yeah, we didn't get that. No. Look at PFF. He's abysmal. <laughs> he's a below average player, according to them. Yeah, and the eye test says he's a below average player, too. This also is another example of what you raised earlier, Dale, of the Packers valuing their own guys. Right. Good riddance. Bye. We'll miss you, Dean Lowry, because we're really nope. running out of guys to cuss about. They dropping like I, I got a couple more now. I've already Sweet. shifted. <laughs> I've already made my shift to Quay Walker, but we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, you have. You hate linebackers. Peter, we saved this question for you from Rob from across the pond because you are the guy to answer this question because I only have one name in my head. Same. Rob asked last week, who was the best player in the NFL? And I think he said in the last decade, but we'll give you carte oh, blanche to go okay. back as long as you want. From the military academies, so from West Point, from the Naval Academy, who is the best player to play for any of the military academies? So the answer in NFL history, the answer in NFL history is an easy, so that's an easy answer, right? Roger Starback. Yep. It's Roger, it's Roger Starback, and it's Starback by a long way. Won the Heisman Trophy, 
the Naval Academy, 63. They drafted by the Cowboys the following year. Didn't play in the NFL for five years after being drafted as he fulfilled his military commitment. As we know, went on to lead the Cowboys to a couple of Super Bowls, multiple Pro Bowls. Was, you know, that quarterback of the 1970s on the NFC side, captain comeback and all of that. And interestingly enough, as he developed as a passer in the 1970s, because that's what we really remember, Hail Mary and all of that and all of that stuff. And his ability to bring the Cowboys from behind multiple times, you know, in the last two minutes of games. When he first went to the Cowboys, he was a runner a running quarterback and ran a lot. You know, that comes from his days at, at Navy. But yeah, star back by, by a long, long way. I think, I think I'm right in saying there isn't another hall, pro football Hall of Famer who played at one of the service academies. Yeah, I had <clears throat> my guy too. The only other name that I could think of from the service academies was Napoleon McCollum. When he play at Navy too? Yeah, and then, then at Raiders. It's the only um, name I could come up with. Yeah, it's um, uh, the guard. Uh, what's his name? White Wall, Mike Wall. Wall. Mike Wall. Wall. So he was um, second round pick in the supplemental draft in '98 for the Packers. Played played guard for the Packers, left guard mainly, left guard for the Packers when Marco R- Rivera was at right guard in the early 2000s and leading the way for Armand Green and all of that. That was a really good offensive line. And Wall was a good, good player, big guy, six 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 or so, and then went on to play for the Panthers and was a pro bowler for the Panthers. But he'd kind of be the only one really of significance for the Packers. Thank you for that. So I, I'm pretty sure it was in the last decade, but I was like, man, that's too hard. That's why that's why Todd and I didn't answer it. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Rob, stop asking us tough questions. I don't want to have to Google stuff. Thank you, Rob, for the question. He sent me a picture of his family. He's got an adorable family, by the way. What a super dude. We're having those dudes on. Rob, I'm telling you now, end of the season, we're going to have all the dudes on. It's going to be like a big, the Zoom calls is going to have like 19 dudes on it. Anyway, thanks, Rob. I hope you're well. All right, let's get on to this game. Packers-Dolphins game. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Packers win. That's good. Todd on offense. So I know that you had to leave and go to an event during yes. the game and you're watching it on your phone. Did no. you see the Rogers throw to Mercedes Lewis? No. I I believe I saw that before I left. Yes. Probably. And I think we've said this in previous podcasts, top 10, that might've been top five of all time. Rogers throws. I mean, it's so unlikely to, to run Mercedes Lewis who's like 60 years old on the left side and to throw it into, you know, a shoebox, rolling to your left and flipping it out. What? Oh, yeah, that was, that was insane. And the play calling for his, his touchdown on his fourth and fourth and goal or whatever the hell it was. That was great. I mean, to see him contributing like that. I've complained ad nauseum about the tight end room. So it was nice to see Mercedes Lewis do something. But to go back to what you said. What a tale of two halves. Let's just preface everything of the tale of two halves was just unbelievable because it looked like the Packers honestly could have been down in this game at least 30-something to uh, 14 or so. I mean, they really could have if things didn't kind of – a couple of different things didn't happen. They could have been – they could have had 30 on them. At halftime, and they didn't. Gosh, I don't even know to explain how to explain the second half. The reason I brought up the Mercedes Lewis catch and the great throw by Rodgers, we're talking about the good on offense. They scored 26 points, but you look at the statistics, they're right. not great. No. Yeah, I was scraping around to try to find 
I actually had one good thing on offense, and then I had to kind of scrape around for some more stuff. I mean, Rodgers had an okay game, 24 for 38, 238 yards, a touchdown, also got picked. But Aaron Jones, six carries for 25 yards. A.J. Dillon, 11 carries for 36 yards against a bad run defense with the Dolphins. It was so strange. Peter, a good on offense. Can you think of anything besides what we just talked about? It's difficult to. Watson had another solid, solid game. But yeah, it's difficult to, to find too much outstanding. There wasn't anything outstanding. Watson, before he got hurt, he got tagged. That DB came up and met him. That uh, is a concern, though, right? It is. He it keeps is. getting hurt. And again, I'm not blaming oh. the man, but he's not a big yeah, dude. You start, maybe not blaming, but you start questioning, like, what is his toughness level? I don't know. Does he not start to understand where and how to get down when he needs to get down instead of trying to maybe earn the extra year? Not on that play. But just in general. Up until then, targeted it. Eight times, caught six of them, forty-nine yards. I, I thought we were, I thought we were rolling with him. He is efforting Christian Watson when he can. That's the number one receiver. He's the new Devontae Adams. They're going to try to get the ball in his hands in certain situations because he's their most dynamic player catching the football, other than Aaron Jones. Well, when did he get hurt? In the third. So he already had, he already yeah. had eight targets up until that point. I mean, that's. Right. Quite a few. No, it is. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's I, a lot. You know? Well, the other thing I would pick out on offense, because it's worth picking out, is Lazard's block on a running play where he, he blocked. I saw that. I saw <laughs> that. Three. Took out one third of the defense. That was awesome. Yeah. When he counted all the guys laying on the ground, that was awesome. Remember um, Watson counted his touchdowns? This time it's Lazard counting bodies. Yeah. bodies that he had just dropped. Body count. He is a very effective blocker in the offensive scheme. Very. He's a great blocker. For a wide receiver, he's a great blocker. It's something we're going to have to talk about. Like, how much do you pay a man who is a wide receiver? But, mm, I don't know. We'll talk about that down the road. He was targeted 11 times. He was so. totally invisible last week. It's like, we got to get Allen the ball. Only five catches. But all right. Now I'm right. moving on to the bat. Is that all right? Let's go. The bad on offense. At least the Packers aren't the only ones to do this. It's fourth and one or fourth and two or third and one. We're going to throw it deep. Yeah. Because I said it on Twitter, the Dolphins did the same thing. I'd love to know what Jones and Dylan think on fourth and one when they call a play that is going to be a long throw that probably isn't going to get completed. They got me thinking like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. This is what you pay me money for. Other I'm than, done with that. I am too. I, I and get I mean, the idea. If, if you watch that play, there was like, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'm like, oh, that was probably a third option. No one else was open. There had to be other options. And he just looked them off and like, and like went for it. But there wasn't. If you look at that play, he never looked anywhere else. It was on. It was a go route to Watson on a fourth and two. And it's like, Get the first fucking down, man. Instead of the, yeah. throwing, throwing that out there, that was that was crazy to me. And, and I mean, the ball was terrible. That was one of the worst. And, and he was open. He's definitely open. And that ball was mm, three, think, four, five yards overthrown. I think you could, could kind of understand taking the occasional shot, you know, on third and short and fourth and short, especially if you do it off play action. But it seems to be time and time again. And then you couple that with when it's third and 10 or third and 12 and third and 13. They throw a one-yard pass. 
or a three-yard pass or a pass behind right. the line of scrimmage. And when you couple those two things together, it just doesn't add up. And maybe that's what it is more than anything. We don't throw the ball long when we need to throw the ball long, and then we throw it long when we need two yards. On third down, I can sort of get it if you're going to go for it on fourth down, which the Packers have done more often, I think, this year than in previous seasons. But on fourth down, I understand it if you do it periodically. I just feel like it happens a lot. Yeah, it's, Teams it's are not consistent. fooled by it. It's consistent. We do that consistently. Oh, you put this in a nose, Todd, but I was screaming at the TV. Oh, yeah. When yeah. Aaron Rodgers took that sack. Yeah. That was terrible. You can throw it off. You you can throw it from your ass, sitting yeah, on dude. your ass out of bounds yep. over the end yep. line. What? Well, it don't That's matter. happened a lot. You will not get a grounding call. Just right. throw it, it out there. The end zone. Throw it anywhere at any angle. Does not matter. Right. Just do it. Bizarre. They went, from, they went from inside the 10 on a beautiful Nixon return, return. Mm-hmm. right? To they just catastrophize things almost in, in their <laughs> Take own. Take a word. That was great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> like Shakespeare. So, yeah, thank you. Um, and it just went from there. I mean, I mean, he got sacked at like the twenty-one. Yeah, they lost Whatever a buck of yards on that play. And they, then they didn't do shit on third down. They had to kick another fucking field goal. I mean, those are the opportunities that I think that they just shoot themselves in the foot so many fucking times. Mm-hmm. It just frustrates the shit out of me. Yeah, they didn't run the ball much. After the season is over, we're gonna have to assess this roster, right? AJ Dillon shows flashes. And then other times, like, dude, would you stop running into the back of your lineman? There were two runs in particular where Dylan literally ran into the back of somebody. Didn't even try to cut to that backside hole. That backside cut is there. And that's what Jones does. Maybe so. Dylan can't do that. I don't know. I feel anyway. like Dylan's an average back. I feel like he's average. You can't run the ball 50, they had 61 yards. 17 carries for 61 yards. It's like a little over three. And I get that you were down in this game. They weren't bouncing it outside either. It was like almost everything seemed to like try to go between the tackles. And when it wasn't working, they just kept trying to pound it through there. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? What about Tanyan? Let's talk about Tanyan. Where is he? Where is Robert Bobby Tanyan? Is his middle name Bobby? (laughs) Bobby Bobby? Yeah. Bobby, Bobby, Tanya. Two targets, one one reception in 13 years. Peter, is he hurt? Maybe there's something else going on with him, yeah. I suspect that he's still fully coming back from that injury. But I also think that, you know, and this will take some studying, but I also think it's an offense that just doesn't like to throw great numbers of passes to the tight end. Well, to be fair, and they didn't do it in McCarthy's offense ever since really Jermichael Finley. And I don't know whether that's the quarterback, whether he doesn't like those throws over the middle to the tight end. I don't know what it is, but it, it doesn't appear to be an offense that will ever feature the tight end. They seemed to like him when he was catching like 60 balls or wherever he caught that one year. Yeah. 11 touchdowns. Like d- double digit touchdowns. And then they just went away from it. I just don't understand that. I'm confused by all of that. Yeah. The red zone offense is in the bottom third because we don't throw the football to the tight end. Like in the red zone, that's where you're going to get your tight end some touches because he's pretending to block and he goes out in the pattern and it should be, you know, it's a short throw. It's just another blocker. That's why Mercedes Lewis is still playing in the Green Bay Packer lineup in his 17th year. I don't know that will ever change. I really don't. Two of 14 on third downs in this game. That's a problem. That is a big, 
big problem. Three of five on fourth downs, but some of the play calls, choices, and, and I, I don't, I'm confused whether it's Rodgers making that call. I just don't understand. But two of 14 on third downs isn't going to get it done in the playoffs if we make it there. They're being stupid about it. It's like third and short. We're going to go long down the sideline to on, on the right side to Dobbs. Or we're going to go to Watson across the middle on a go, go route. Why? Why are we doing that? Like, get the fucking first down. We don't have to do that for whatever reason, it, whether it's coming from the sideline or it's coming from the huddle, it's happening. Let's move on to the defense. So the Packers shut the Miami Dolphins out in the second half. That's good. Crazy. Pale of two halves. Peter, as you watch this game with the Dolphins, is it the scheme that says they should not run the football or is it because they have Raheem Mostert and he's not a good player? Like, why don't they run the football more? Is it just because they have so many weapons throwing the football? I think it's exactly that. I think when you've got Hill, when you've got Waddle, when you've got, a, I think, an offensive coach that likes to throw the football, I think it's scheme. And I, I think it's fast to set up the run, if you like. And Yeah, and to be fair to them, it's pretty much worked from where they were coming from before this season to where they are now. It's pretty much worked. But they have lost leads to Buffalo and to Green Bay. If you're playing the Packers, where do you where do you start? You run on them and you run on them and you run on them until the Packers stop the run, which is not very often. Right. And the way the game started, I can't remember the exact play, but it might have been the very first play from scrimmage that the Dolphins ran. It was like a 13-yard run around the left side. Oh, yeah. Down. Yeah, they were and running all over them. And why they even go away from that? Why? Well, that's why I was asking. I think he most art and, and everyone else was ripping off like 9, 11, 15 yards at a clip. I think it's a mindset thing when you've got Tyreek Hill, when you've got Jalen Waddle, when you've got those guys that are having 1,000-yard seasons. You've got the quarterback for all the criticism of Tour as the number one graded quarterback in the NFL this year in terms of passer rating. I think that just leads a mindset that says, yes, we can move the ball on the ground, but we're going to throw it. That, that's the mindset of a coach who just wants to sensationalize everything. Right. You're in Miami. Dude looks like he never played a fucking down football ever. He looks like a fantasy football <laughs> fucking multiple champion. And, and and now he's just like going to sensationalize everything. Right. That's what know. it looks like to me. Like when Raheem Mozart, who has a history with the Packers, if we do, if we look back to the NFC championship in, a few years ago, that dude was running all over the fucking place in the first quarter. My mindset as a coach is that's happening from now until the end of the fucking game. Period. We're going to run right through you motherfuckers because you can't stop us. That's going to be it. And we're going to supplement everything with our two receivers that you can't cover. Done. I agree. <laughs> Let's go through the good just to finish this off. It just seems like too cute. Sometimes coaches are, you know, be the smartest guy in the room. I felt like that Mike, is it Mike McDaniel? Yeah. I think he's trying to be the smartest guy in the room. It's like, dude, you want to be the smartest guy in the room? Run the football. Do the obvious thing against the Packers until right. they stop you. And again, you have Tyree Kill. You paid him a buttload of money. You have Jalen Waddle, who is a very good player, too. I get it. But your job is to win football games, not to, you know, rack up stats. And, and you haven't won a game. In a long, long time, in like a month. The Packers had three picks in this game. It turned out that Tua was concussed. So you start to think, mm, man, was he making bad decisions? I don't know. He threw some really bad balls. That one that Alexander picked, all three of us could have intercepted that ball. 
Yeah, it was bad. He threw the ball so far behind and over the top. The only one that was going to catch that ball was Jair Alexander. And the one to Razul Douglas, I'll take that off of Tua and put that on Razul Douglas. We've said it before. That guy studies film. Did you watch the all 22 version? He's in zone, right? They're in zone. And he he lets his guy go across the middle and he backs off into that where the tight end was running that like out route. And it was great coverage on, by Razul Douglas on that play. It was a smart play on his part. So I hang that on Razul Douglas, not on Tua. It's nice to see that because the Packers haven't turned anybody over all season long. Let's talk about Jerry Gray, though. Jerry Gray getting in everyone's ass on, at halftime. That is a veteran coach who is kind of keeps to himself, probably isn't real, real loud in the locker room. Not, not a guy that's going to be, you know, getting in guys' faces or, or being loud. But man, some of the players' reactions after that said that he was in the locker room and he was going off. Here's a guy, here's a defensive coordinator who can't connect to his team, but here's a defensive backs coach who gets into the locker room and says something, and then they go out after getting basically beat up in the first half. He gets in their ass, and they go out in the second half, and they pitch a shutout, three interceptions. That says something to me. Maybe Jerry Gray is the next defensive coordinator. Who knows? I'd like you guys to tell me what you think of Jair Alexander. I put it on Twitter that it was a real weird flex, him waddling off the field after the game, after Waddle went off for five catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. You know me. Like, I like a little bit of swagger. I like that cocky attitude. We said it last week. I don't think Jair Alexander is playing up to Jair Alexander level this year. It's not that he's not a good player, but my expectations of him are so much higher than that. Like this pick, again, all three of us could have caught that ball. It hit him right in the stomach. He was just standing there. I worry that he is, I don't want to say complacent. I don't think he's that. I think that he is not being reined in. And if Jerry Gray went off on Jair Alexander, I hope that did happen. I hope he was right in Alexander's face because I think that the attitude has to be coupled with the play. Like if you are playing good football, then go out and talk your shit all game long. But when you've been an average corner, I'm not a big fan of of that. Is he the best Packer this year on defense? Probably, but it's a bad defense. His interview was super entertaining, though. That was fun. Of course. I need you to play better, Jair. God dang it. Yeah, I mean, I think with uh, Douglas, too, is like, did he get the, like, game-ending kind of shutdown interception? Yes. Look, man, on the other side of the fence with you, It's been bad. It's been bad all year long with you. So, yes, I'll take that. Chill on the celebrations, Razul, because your year and your production has not been there. It just hasn't. And that was a bad throw by Tuba. Peter, any other thoughts defensively before we move on? No, I just just think that... um... It's nice to get the four turnovers, but I think that kind of highlights what we talked about earlier with the offense. I think when you win the turnover battle four to one and have a kickoff return that was very nearly a touchdown, I think you expect you should win games by more than six points. I even told you, Dale, didn't I? I was like, this has to be a big turnover game. Yeah. Yeah. And if if it wouldn't have been, we would have lost this game. If they don't turn them over four times, we... We only won by six and we turned them over four times. It says a lot about how bad the offense was. 
And to go back to what Peter just said like three seconds ago, they had a 95-yard kick return, and they couldn't get a touchdown out of that. That's a problem. I don't want to say that they're going to re- they're relying on Keyshawn Nixon for field position, but he went out. I kind of felt like, oh, man, we're in trouble here. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, I'm not- we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because you, you know you love Quay Walker. Quay Walker yeah. did not have a solo tackle in this game. So he went from having a spectacular game nice. last week to not having a great game this week. How is that even possible? When I looked at PFF and I looked at the just the bullshit stats that Google has, Quay Walker failed to register a solo tackle. He helped on another tackle. An assist. An assist. That's it. That's all he produced in this game. It's strange for a linebacker to not have a bunch of tackles, right? Like literally the defense is built around linebackers <laughs> tackling guys. And if you look at in PFF, if you look at the defense, right, as far as tackles are concerned, this is the top three. Amos, Douglas, Alexander. What does that tell you about your run defense? I know. What does that tell you about your run defense? You should not have defensive backs leading the tackling statistically. Absolutely no way. No chance. But the Dolphins only ran it 17 times. Most of these tackles are well downfield. I'm with you. And Anigbari was in the same boat as Walker. Same. They're the first and second line of defense, and they're not getting it done. We've been through this 8 million times. I'm done with them. Draft another linebacker next year, baby. We talked about special teams I know that the Packers are going to try to pull out all the stops to win football games. They need to keep winning to get into the playoffs. Why on earth would you fake a punt? Oh, my God. On what, the 18-yard line or the 20-yard line? Yeah, it was around the yeah 18, between there somewhere. Oh, That was please. just absolutely. I, I don't understand. The only way that play works is if you catch a team off guard. Like the game set, right? Like how many points are you down? Where you are on the field? How many timeouts there are? Where you are in the game? Is it first half, second half, third quarter? How much time is left on the clock? Like all those things come into factor, right? But that one, that made no fucking sense. And if that came from Basasha, man. You got to run that past the head coach. The man. special teams coach. I would goal, hope so. We're running this play right now. I, I would hope so. Happen. And if you're, and, and, and by the way, you're going with Dalvin Levitt up the middle. Come on. That was horrible. That totally could have been, I talked at the beginning about like, that could have been 30 points. We were lucky to get away with only a field goal scorer on us, sir. Yep. I think what makes that doubly bad is that even if you make it, you've still got 80 yards to go. And the Packers offense exactly. at, that point in the, that point in the game had given no indication that they had the capability to drive oh, the ball yeah. 80 yards. It just seemed pointless. Yeah, and it's just, you know, yeah it exactly. Just yeah, understand it at all. One of the worst special teams calls I've seen the Packers run in years. Think about the season. Think of what's online right here. You lose this fucking game, you're done. I mean, we're hanging on by fucking threads. Mm -hmm. Why would you fucking do this? Why? You need to like tighten up the fucking ship and make things fucking work. That's what you need to do. Anything else, Peter, before we move on to the Vikings? Of all the things you had to win, did you play well? Not really. Did you win? Yes. That's all that matters. It is. And they gave themselves a chance next week against Minnesota to play another meaningful game and possibly make the playoffs. We all remember the beginning of the season, first game of the season, Packers go Minnesota and lay an egg offensively. 
What's the difference now? Oh, there's the $64 million question. I think one thing that works in the Packers' favour is we've seen the Packers come out undercooked in the opening game of the last two seasons. We're now 16 games into this season, so they're not going to be undercooked. I think that they've got Christian Watson, hopefully, if he's if he's not banged up. Romeo Dubs, I think they'll get the running game going, and it's at Lambeau Field in the cold. Now, that ne- not necessarily shown to be a huge advantage for the Packers recently, but I think when you're playing a dome team in the cold, it's certainly not a disadvantage. So I think all of those things work in the Packers' favour. I think the defence, at the very least, I think will play better than it did in week one. I'm not sure what this defence is, and I think that after the season's over, it needs a close look. But it will play better than it played in week one. Whether that will be good enough, I don't know. Watson drops that first one. It kind of set the tone for the entire game. You know, you look at the Vikings, even though their record is really good, I'm not sure they are really good. I mean, I thought they were, and we've talked about it. Shoot, I'm a big Dalvin Cook guy. We both love Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins has played pretty well, but their defense is not very good. It's interesting to me that their their record is what it is. I heard or read somewhere today, the Vikings are like three games better than what they should be. If they played to what they're supposed to be, they'd be like 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. And that's right when you think that they've won 11 games by one score. Is this the Packers <laughs> from last year or the year before? Well, they've won a lot of close games and their record is better than they actually are. Yeah, and it's one of those strange situations because you can look at that, you know, a couple of ways. You could say, well, that says they're not as good as their record. Or you could say that good teams find a way to win. Mm -hmm. So it's a couple of ways of looking at that. But it does, if if you're looking for something to make you feel positive about Sunday's game, that would be one of the things that you'd look at and you say they can't keep winning close games. What are the keys, Todd? Like, like I know we talk about this all the time, and it's the Vikings who we've seen over and over again. Who do you stop in this game? Justin Jefferson. But for us, the keys are going to be to capitalize on our opportunities. When we have opportunities with a big 90-some yard kickoff return, We need to capitalize with a touchdown, not a field goal. Those are the types of third down situations. We can't continue that mindset, you know, going into some of these games. The key to this game is like, we can't make those types of game management mistakes against a team like Minnesota because they are not going to, they're not going to lay down. This is not a team, and I hate giving accolades to to the Minnesota Vikings, but this is a team that does not lay down. They came from a 33-point deficit, which is an NFL record? I mean, come on. You can say what you want about Lambeau Field and it's going to be cold and like all those things. Forget it. Throw that out the window. Put your foot on the gas. Capitalize on the opportunities when they're given to you and take advantage of it. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think there will be opportunities. The Vikings are giving up 400 yards a game on defense. So it's a team that you can definitely move the ball on. And I think as Todd, Todd alluded to, when you move the ball, you have to score touchdowns. You can't settle for field goals, particularly in the cold, but you can't settle for field goals. You've got to drive the ball down the field and turn those into seven points every time if they want to win this game. In 2020, I think it was, we scored touchdowns on like 75% of the red zone opportunities. What's the difference between then and now? No Adams? Is it that? I think initially, yes. But I think now, I don't think that they believe that they're going to score. And I think that makes a huge difference. I think previously, they knew as much as you can know. They absolutely believed 
in goal-to-go situations that they would score. Now I think they're hoping that they're going to score, but not expecting to. He had the safety valve of Devontae Adams too. Whether you're going to him or not, it just swayed everything either in his direction, allowed other people to be open, or vice versa. That He was open. He was the man. Right now, we don't have that. Watson doesn't catch the ball in a tight window like Adams did. No. It's just, it's such a stark difference between then and now with relatively the same talent minus the one guy. So let's talk betting lines. The Packers are three point favorites. The seven and eight Packers are three point favorites at home against the 12 and three Vikings. The Vikings don't need this game, right? They're clear. They've won the division. They're still up there, right, for home field advantage. Well, you always want to be the one or two seed. You want to keep that. Isn't Dallas 12 and three? I can't remember. I apologize. I should no, they're that. 12 and, or, well, well, they're 11 and four, I think. Okay. So if they win, they're 12 and four. If the Vikings lose, they're 12 and four. I don't know all the tiebreaker scenarios, but you want to keep winning. This is not a game they can just yeah. lay down and be like, oh, we won the North, so we're good. Yeah. The over-under is 48 and a half. Over. The Packers are three-point favorites. Packers are minus Uh, three. I'll take the Packers and over. Okay, so they'll cover the three points and they'll go over the 48. Peter, do you want to go next? My head says the Vikings will win this game, but I'm going to go with my heart and go exactly as as Todd has done. I'm going to go for the over and the Packers cover Hmm. somehow. I say the Packers win 28-27. So they will go over, but they will not cover the three points. I think your man, Mason Crosby, is going to kick an extra point late. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 109 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The Josh Bidwell episode. Oh, fuck. I already said go, Paco, but go, Paco. Go, Paco. Go, Paco. Go, Paco.